Very shrewd move by the Minnesota Vikings. Not going to San Francisco and getting beat by 50, John. Very shrewd. Uh, saved. You know, look, this is a um, a time in media companies' uh, history where budgets are tight. Um, so obviously, you know, very thoughtful that uh, a, a bunch of us didn't have to book flights to go to San Francisco, pay the big uh, hotel costs, and then watch them get hammered because that's exactly what would have happened uh, in San Francisco. So they got it over a little bit quicker. Now they can start their offseason and figure out where the heck they have to go from here. I think in reviewing this Viking season here on the Viking Update Show with John Krasinski, Jim Suhan, and our producer, Brandon Morton, I, I, there's just no, to me, there aren't many cute little angles to this. I think it's a very obvious, simple story. They overachieved in the regular season. They overachieved by being clutch, but not necessarily good. And when they had to face, <laughs> when they had to put their defense up against a pretty good, well-rested team that's very well coached, they weren't good enough. They let Daniel Jones do whatever he wanted. The Giants ran all over them without even using Saquon Barkley probably as much as they should have. They got beat by average receivers. Uh, the offense wasn't quite good enough this weekend. But it's the, the defense is the story. Uh, the defense was horrific. Uh, and it, when they didn't make the big clutch, you know, turnover play at the end of a game, they just weren't good enough. That's I mean, that's just it, Jim. I mean, you know, we can talk about, you know, the luck that was involved. Um, it, some of the clutch stuff from Cousins and from the offense was was phenomenal. And I think that did lead into um, some doubts about how good they actually were. but. Uh, really, it was the defense and it was their ability to pull rabbits out of hats over and over again uh, late in games uh, to to seal these one score wins, the 11 one score wins that they had. And it was it was getting an interception. It was getting uh, a fumble recovery on a uh, on a botch snap. It was like all stuff that that was not sustainable. And so then you look at getting into a playoff situation against a well-coached team with really talented athletes. And not only I think was, was it really you know, well uh, documented and, and just put on display of, of the scheme issues that they do have, but they also have a, an old, slow, unathletic defense. And that part was always going to catch up to them when you got into a scenario where you were playing really good teams with great athletes like Saquon Barkley, like Daniel Jones, they just ran circles around the Vikings. There was, they, there was very few players on the Vikings defense that me measured up athletically. They could not keep up and they played a style of defense that was very passive and, and did not force the issue at all. And they were exposed and, and they had been exposed all season, but this was the the final nail in the coffin. Like everything has to change with this defense going forward. And that's what you learned coming out of that game. No doubt uh, there will be, and they have to have personal changes. It wasn't just Ed Donatel, although he will take the fall for it and he deserves to take the fall for it. Uh, but what really struck me, you know, I've been covering the league since 89. I've talked to a million coaches and you come across every once in a while a really bright coach or an innovative coach or somebody who just sees things really clearly and can can communicate those things clearly to the to both you know players and or reporters and other other coaches 
And sometimes you come across coaches who, listen, they've put in the work. They've earned the respect of their peers. They, you know, they're grinders. They're good people. But they just don't have that clarity of vision or that clarity of communication. And I think we saw that for one last time with Ed Donatel against the Giants. How are, what was the biggest threat about the Giants? Yes, of course, Saquon Barkley is a good, very good running back. You have to account for him like any good running back. But how are the Giants going to beat you in U.S. Bank Stadium on Sunday? They're going to beat you if Daniel Jones got to run around and do whatever he wanted. And what we saw for most of that game was the Viking Donatel saying, okay, we're going to let him run around and do whatever he wants. I mean, if I think if you put a spy on Daniel Jones, then he doesn't rush for 78 yards. He rushes for 50 yards and maybe he converts two fewer first downs. Maybe that gives the Vikings the ball back more. Maybe it gets the Vikings defense off the field a couple of times. Maybe that swings the whole game to, to not spy a very good running quarterback who is the key to the Giants' success to me was just, it was emblematic of the way Donatel operates. Yeah. And you know, I also, I mean, when I listened to, his remarks during the week before the game. I I don't know if I'm being overly harsh here or what, but the way that he just kind of said it, like, you're going to like what you see on Sunday. Uh, It's our time to shine. But even more so, Jim, when he said, I've been in a lot of tournaments. Like, no one calls the NFL playoffs the tournament. (laughs) Like, it doesn't happen. So... When you get stuff like that, and it's very small potatoes, and it's nitpicky, and it's going to sound snarky, and I don't mean it to be, but like when you have leadership speaking like that, it's like, do you really know what you're doing here? Um, you know, that's the kind of thing. I, I it really harkened me back to a long time ago when Fran Foley came out for yep. his pre-draft, you know, thing, and the you know whatever 2004 player procurement procurement uh, uh thing, I know New Mexico football it. yeah like all of that stuff it's just like what are you talking about like that 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 gave me real red flags of like when I hear my defensive coordinator say I've been in a lot of tournaments like I'm, I'm not feeling good about his grasp of the plan here and so it's fine to be confident the way that he clearly was and believe in your guys and think that they're going to come out, but you can't puff your chest out and then come out and get absolutely have your, your doors blown off. Like from the very first possession, you knew the Vikings had absolutely nothing for that attack. And, and there was nothing exotic that Brian Dable did. Nothing that was like, holy cow, I did not see them doing that. I did not see that coming. Um, that 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 really caught the Vikings off guard. It was everything you knew the Giants were going to do, and they just did it because they could. And so I just think that when you look at it, I, you know, I will not blame Ed Donatel for Eric Kendricks being incredibly slow. I will not blame Ed Donatel for Zedaria Smith probably hitting a wall physically over the second half of the season and just not having the juice. 
um, left in his legs to finish it off. I will not blame him for some of the the injuries that happened to the defensive backfield. And so you have to have Duke Shelley and, and guys out there like that. But at the same time, I, I look at a, a defense that looked completely unprepared to handle what the Giants threw at them when there was nothing that the Giants did that would have surprised you one bit. So um, I just think it was a complete and total failure. I know that Kirk Cousins made the bad throw um, on fourth down, and I, I just think that it's a shame that that is the last image of this Viking season when really the culprit was everything that they did defensively and a complete and total failure on that side of the ball. And let's get to that last throw and a couple of other weird things that happened on offense here on the Viking update show. He's John Krasinski from the athletic. I'm Jim Suhan from the start to Brandon Morton is our producer. This is TalkNorth.com. Check out all the shows at TalkNorth.com. When you like the show, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. And we also have the Jeff diamond Viking and NFL insider on this program. On, excuse me, on this network. Uh, thanks also to our sponsor, TSR Injury Law, and we are, we are coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Thanks for all your support. We've also added the uh, Joe Anderson Funhouse Show, uh, along with Dave Lee, Mike Grimm, Russo, Cheryl Reeve, LaPanta, Roy Smalley, Lavelle Neal, John Millay. Uh, just the show, the list of shows goes on and on. Uh, so that you know, I know that that last fourth down throw is an easy thing for people to jump on, uh, especially if you're a critic of Kirk Cousins, especially if you're upset by the way they lost. It, listen, it looks – I think to me that's one of those plays that looks worse than it really is. And you might disagree with me. I'll explain what I think. Uh, of course, nobody wants him to throw the ball in front of the sticks on – what could be a game and, and season-saving fourth down. I think that he felt pressure. He felt like he was about to get sacked, and, and under the circumstances, he has two choices. Fling it and hope, you know, fling it beyond the first first down marker and hope that it works out, or check down to Hawkinson and hope Hawkinson breaks one tackle and gets the first down. And it's frustrating to see it play out that way, but I don't really think – flinging it in the general direction of the first down marker is a high percentage play either. I don't think he had a really good option there. He, he didn't have a good option at all. Um, here's what hurts the most for Kirk cousins from that moment is that he is a quarterback who was criticized over the early portion of his Vikings career for being too careful, uh, for being too precise, um, for taking the easy throw and not being the risk taker, swashbuckler, gunslinger, whatever you want. Well, this season, he absolutely reinvented himself in that way. He took chances down the field to Justin Jefferson. He made big throws in clutch situations. He did so many of the things. He absorbed punishment time and time again. He did so many of the things that he had not done earlier in his career. And he did all of those things in the New York Giants game. He was terrific through the first uh, three and seven tenths quarter or whatever, however you, however you want to break, break it up. He was absolutely fantastic, made amazing throws, uh, got TJ Hawkinson to have a huge day, made through a, a couple of uh, touchdowns and, and all of those things. Great. 
great leadership because he was getting hit every other time he dropped back. Um, all of these things, so good. So the unfortunate thing is the timing of it because that check down is is something that is an old ghost that came out. But there are multiple reasons for him making that play. You hit you you hit on a couple of them, and you're absolutely right. Um, you know, he he made that play, and he told us after the game that he made that throw because he thought he was about to get sacked, which he was. And he just wanted to at least keep the play alive like that. And that's what he thought was the best option for just giving someone a chance was to get it to Hawkinson. Because if you watch the play develop, if you go back and look at the replays, Justin Jefferson, and I know he made the the Buffalo catch and, and all these things, Justin Jefferson was blanketed. He had one cornerback in his hip pocket. He had a safety over the top of him with another safety screaming over that way. And so they had him surrounded. And that was that was Cousins' first read, so I can see why he didn't throw that. Um, Thielen and Osborne were covered uh, at, down the field past the sticks. And so, and, 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 and by the time he would have gone through his progressions to get to them, Dexter Lawrence would have sacked him. And finally, you can say that, Hey, Kevin O'Connell, let's not have a play that you're calling on the last play potentially of this season that needs to, you know, you need to keep your season alive. You probably shouldn't have an option where there's a player short of the sticks. Everyone should be beyond that, um, that 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 line to gain and, and O'Connell said as much as he said, hey, maybe I needed to to look at something different so that that Cousins didn't even have that possibility about him. Um, so all of those things conspired for Cousins to make that decision. It's just optically for that to be the last thing that you see from Kirk Cousins. It goes against the entire season that he had. He was a franchise quarterback for them, and he had uh, an offense that that he led into battle every week that followed him in a way they have not followed Kirk Cousins before, that believed in him in a way they have not believed in Kirk Cousins before. And so I kind of just wrote that. It's just a shame. It's a shame that it ended that way because that is not indicative of the season or the game that Kirk Cousins had. Uh, all true, all true and well said. By the way, we want to thank Aquarius Home Services, which, uh, of course, we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studios. Here's more about Aquarius Home Services. Scott here, your Aquarius Home Services guy. Is this the year you're ready for worry-free water? Ready for spotless dishes and shower doors? Ready for worry-free drinking water? With on-demand efficiency, Kinetico fixes problem water. And as your independent authorized Kinetico dealer, Aquarius is offering $250 off a new non-electric Kinetico system when you trade in your old electric softener. Schedule your free water analysis today at KineticoMN.com. Aquarius, earning the right to be recommended. Thanks also to TSR Injury Law, 612-TSR-TIME, big sponsor of the John Krasinski Show, big sponsor across the TalkNorth.com platform. All you need to remember, 612-TSR-TIME. Uh, so I, I like pretty much everything I saw from O'Connell this year, uh, but he's a rookie head coach. You know, he'd be insulted if you said that he had everything exactly the way he wanted. And it's also it's also a reminder of the nature of young offensive coaches and the nature of the NFL, where you have six days to sit around dreaming up stuff that 
you're going to make some really goofy, goofy decisions. And I think the goofiest decision uh, that was made was the throwback from Justin Jefferson yeah. to Kirk Cousins. Okay, that one uh, is I'll give I'll give Kevin O'Connell an A for the season, but that's an F minus play right there. It was it was a terrible play, um, and. Yes, I think by and large, Kevin O'Connell, great first season, a really good job leading this team, repairing sort of the relationships between the coach and the and the players that were frayed so much at the end of the Zimmer regime. Excellent. Win 13 games, unqualified success. Uh, but there have been moments in games, clock management-wise, strategy-wise, where you have scratched your head. And it's like, hey, what was he thinking here? And that certainly, that play call on third and one um, was one of the head scratchers of all head scratchers. I also, Jim did not like uh, the call on the, not the second to last possession of the game before Kirk Cousins fourth down um, where it started out with a swing out to Dalvin cook that was uh, lost four yards and put them really behind the eight ball and really short circuited that drive. Um, so the couple, there was, there was just a few and maybe, you know, I think every coach probably has them, but there were a few times where just like, what are you thinking there? Like what, what possibly could compel you to make a call like Justin Jefferson throwing back to Kirk cousins on third and one. I mean, you know, I guess if you decide, Hey, we're going to go for it on fourth down regardless. And we want to get a little creative and tricky and see if you can really pop something. Maybe that's one thing, but clearly they didn't because they lost a couple of yards on the play and then punted it. Um, and so there's, you know, we asked O'Connell about it after the game and, and he said basically that he made it, he implied that they had seen things in film during the week that they thought that that would be an opportunity to get a really big play. Um, but that was just not the moment. Uh, it didn't feel like for a call like that. And there have been a few times this season where it feels like O'Connell has wanted to get really creative and kind of flex his brain power and it's come back to bite him a couple of times. And that certainly was one that, that did come back to bite him. It reminded me right about that same portion of the field, although the ball was moving the other direction. It reminded me of the Super Bowl at U S bank stadium where the Patriots are scoring a million points and the Eagles are scoring a million points and Belichick runs a play that calls for somebody to throw a long pass down the sideline to Tom Brady, one of the least athletic players in NFL history. Of course it didn't work. And had it worked, Brady probably gets blown up and is knocked out of the game. And Belichick's might be the greatest NFL coach of all time. And it was one of the, and he made one of the dumbest play calls of all time or allowed one of the dumbest play calls of all time. It's amazing how many of them do it. Yeah, it happened. Yes. It is not unique to Kevin O'Connell. It does happen very, very regularly. Um, and it's just, it's unfortunate when it does. And you just, you just try to wonder like, like, what are you thinking? <laughs> like, why, why is this even in consideration at this point? But I think sometimes coaches outthink themselves. Sometimes they try to get too cute. Um, they, yeah, there's all sorts of things that, that, that play into it. Um, and unfortunately that was one that, you know, that got Kevin O'Connell. He is not alone. It's not the first time it's happened, but, uh, but yeah, it, it, you just, I, I don't know what compels coaches to, 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 to do things like that, that just seems so clearly to be at the minimum, a very high risk and at maximum. 
yeah, the the reward just isn't isn't big enough to to try that. So uh, that was a big mistake. There's no no other way to put it. NFL off seasons tend to be fascinating. This one will be particularly fascinating to me. To me, you know, they they got their people in place like what late February last year. They did not have a productive draft. You know, Scene and Booth in the future could save that draft, but at, at this moment, the draft is not very productive. Zary Smith was really their only impact-free agent. Uh, they did make the Hawkinson trade during the season, which I think was a great move. But we really haven't seen Quezzi Adolfo Mensa put together a team, and he's going to have to do that uh, by overhauling this defense and making some offensive tweaks, and he's going to be getting rid rid of a lot of either getting rid of or uh, restructuring the deals of a lot of proud veterans who we're used to seeing be being key to this team. We're about to see this roster transform at a time when I think the rest of the division is going to get better. That's partly assuming Aaron Rodgers stays in the division. I think the challenge of winning the division next year will be much greater than it was this year. Yeah, I think you're right, Jim. Um, and it, I thought it was telling in the locker room and certainly listened to Kirk Cousins talk after the game about just how they, they were clearly disappointed and sort of heartbroken, not just for the loss, and because I think that's a team that they really believed that they could beat, that you know they they thought that that they had some sort of special sauce together in the way that they won close games that they could get on in a good, could get on a run in the playoffs and go. But like they were all very crestfallen about the, the, the simple fact that this, there are going to be big changes coming to the roster this off season. And um, cousins mentioned Alexander Madison and Garrett Bradbury by name. I think you can look at Adam Thielen. You can look at um, Eric Hendricks, uh, a bunch of players who either will not be here next year or maybe be asked to restructure their contracts and, and things of that nature to, to go forward. So there's going to be a lot of either turnover or a lot of negotiations uh, as these, as the Vikings go forward. And, you know, Quasi Adolfo Mensa came in last se- last winter, made his hire uh, in Kevin O'Connell. Great. Great hire, um, great trade for TJ Hawkinson, has spotty in the other areas. And so he's going to need to be really good this winter and this this spring, both in free agency, in the draft, and in the decisions he and Kevin O'Connell probably make together on who to keep and who to let go so that they can stay in a position to be NFC North champions again. Because you're right, I think that we have to expect the Packers are going to be better than they were. Uh, you ha- the Lions really do seem to be coming up and um, and and challenging the status quo in the division. And the Bears just hired Kevin Warren, and I know he's not the football guy, but he's going to shock the system in Chicago and and try and get things going in the right direction that way. So they have to be ready to make big changes and big improvements particularly defensively, but offensive line-wise, maybe with um, another target for for Cousins in the passing game. Um, all of those things, it's a huge, huge winter and offseason for the Vikings to try and capitalize on an unexpectedly good uh, first season for the two of, of Kwesi and Kevin O'Connell. I think the Lions will be good next year, if not very good. I think the Bears will, between Justin Fields, 
all the assets they have and Kevin Warren coming in to run that thing, I think they will be very dangerous for the next decade. Uh, and I think that the, you know, the Packers, if Aaron Rodgers comes back for all of his drama and silliness, he's going to have, you know, he's going to have Christian Watson for a full season. He's going to have better receivers than he's had. Uh, you know, I can't imagine them having as bad a season again next year. So the, the challenge is real. Uh, and I think, uh, you know, I think Kevin O'Connell did very well with what he was working with this year. I think it's Quezio Duffamensa's job to make sure that he has more to work with next year. And it's not it's just not going to be easy. It's easy to speculate about all this stuff. It's hard to make all those pieces fit together. Yeah. And I mean, the and the simple fact in, of life in the NFL, Jim, is that it can change for better or worse very, very quickly. Um, one good season does not beget another good season just out of sheer momentum and the same thing for one bad season as well. And so um, you look at just the, the challenge that lies ahead that way and just the understanding of how quickly things can change. Uh, they do have to go into this, uh, this off season with their eyes wide open. You can be proud of the 13 wins, which they should be, uh, you can feel good about really exceeding any expectations that most people had for this team. But I do think in some ways, the way that you lose to the giants and how disappointing that was can maybe crystallize just how far away you are yet from being a team that is prepared and capable of not only winning your division, but actually winning playoff games when you're, when you're in the mix, because I do think we both agree that even if the Vikings would have found a way to beat a a good Giants team, but no, not a special Giants team, they were running into a buzzsaw in San Francisco. Um, you know, if they would have had to play in Philadelphia or Dallas, they would have had real trouble with that as well. So they are still a notch or two below elite level uh, in the NFC, which is the weaker conference as well. So they just have a lot of ground to make up, even though they are sitting on top of the division. I think they need to view this as they have to get a lot better uh, in the off season because the, the goal should absolutely be the division, but the goal should also be how do you win multiple games in the playoffs? And right now this team is not capable of doing that. No, that is exactly right. We're going to talk about all the changes, potential changes. Last note for today. And by the way, check out the John Krasinski show on the, on the Timberwolves. Check out Jeff Diamond's Vikings and NFL Insider. Check out TalkNorth.com for all of our other shows uh, fr here from the Aquarius Home Services Studios. Uh, last note, the NFL continues to be the best entertainment you can find. I almost turned off the Jacksonville Chargers game. It ends up being an all-timer. Uh, you know, the Ravens, without their quarterback, almost beat the Bengals in Cincinnati. Uh, the Vikings-Giants game was, was, you know, if you can be, if you can get your, your heart out of your throat, that was great entertainment back and forth. Comes down to the last drive. I mean, it's, the league just kills it. And there have been many, I, I've criticized the league many times for many different things over the years. But in terms of, I mean, in terms of being an entertainment product, they've just got it beat. Yeah, it, it, it's, uh, they, I believe, have the best um, idea of how to make, how to design a an infrastructure that makes the product 
incredibly entertaining week to week. And so that's not just in uh, the rules of the game, which we can all tear our hair out about the roughing the passer call and and some of the pass interference and things like that, that it is. But those those rules have been put in place to make the games more competitive and and, and more compelling. Um the uh but the other thing is like from a financial standpoint the salary cap the way contracts are constructed the all of those things are designed to inject parity the way revenue is shared to inject parity into the league and there may not be the um dominant dominant teams the 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 Dallas Cowboys of the 90s the the Niners of the 80s the Steelers of the 70s that there were back then um, that you just that just run roughshod over the league and and cruise to championships. But the the NFL looked at that and said that's a good thing for us because now literally every market in the league believes that when the season starts, something could go their way and they could be in the playoffs, they could win Super Bowls, all of those things. And so they have cultivated carefully over years and years an ecosystem that breeds competitiveness, that breeds parity, that breeds belief from every corner of the map in terms of where franchises are. And every game is close, um, and it's it's unbelievably compelling stuff. And so from a pure, just actual product, the NFL has no question mastered that to a level that no other sport has and it continues to pay off over and over and over again for them. Next week, among the topics we'll discuss is who should be the next defensive coordinator. I wrote about that a lot at the start of you, and there are some really interesting possibilities out there. Brandon Staley, Wade Phillips, uh, promoting from within. But we'll get more into that, and that picture will probably clarify here a little bit. Uh, thanks to John. Thanks to Brandon. Thank you for listening to TalkNorth.com. Check out TalkNorth.com for all of our other shows.